Hey, this is the last coffee house. This is what's going on for October 9th, 2020. So a few things going on. We've got uh, still COVID craziness. And we just had the VP debate. And I feel so I'm really, uh, what's the term? Um, apocalyptically disheartened about the status of the conversation on the interwebs. I, again, didn't watch the debate. This time I can't really blame it on debate styles, but I wasn't particularly keen on it. But apparently, uh, you know, Mike Pence was uh, cool and calm. You know, he wasn't uh, yelling or anything like that. And I didn't see any clips related to what Kamala Harris actually said. Just post after post about how she made a bunch of facial expressions, and that was supposed to mean something. But the big story coming out of it was how Pence mansplained, and something all women have to deal with. And I mean, just the entrenched victimology of the current conversation is unbelievable. How is it possible to not see how patronizing it is to constantly talk about women as these pathetic victims who can't handle it when somebody talks over them? But just the state of the discourse, you know, you have all the mainstream news sources. I think they just compare notes on how they're going to spin whatever comes up, whatever happens. You know, it's Trump on the balcony and they're going to say to her, he took his mask off. He did you see he took his mask off when it's Trump driving by the crowd. Oh my God, he's so horrible that he endangered all those people by doing a drive around with his mask on. The VP debated, he was mansplaining. There was so much mansplaining going on. And of course, there's just no content, no actual substantive content in that discussion. Oh, there's a fly, too, apparently. Did you see the fly? There was a fly. Let's all focus on that, because Kamala Harris is absolutely horrendous, and nobody likes her. But I even feel like uh, the... Like, I was watching collections of great monologues in film and how momentous they were. There was, there was the one from uh, Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting and how great that was. I just remember all the little moments when I was a kid. I watched that movie a million times. But all the little moments in his monologue and how it shifted the dynamic between them and how Will Hunting, how he responded to it. There's just so many great little moments. And there was some, uh, there was like Macbeth. I think it was Gandalf. Why can't I remember his name? <laughs> it was Gandalf doing uh, the Macbeth monologue tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace. And there's just several, uh, you know, there was Jack Nicholson uh, from uh, You Want Me on That Wall, You Need Me on That Wall. There are a lot of Aaron Sorkin penned ones, but it just made me think that we are in a, when it comes to film, we don't have that kind of a situation anymore where we kind of look to it for those inspirational moments, for those things that really moved us. It just seems like this weird corporatist art form now. I mean, I just watched that one, the Charlie Kaufman one. It was a real movie, but you've got, okay, what's the trending one on? It's not a moment to go out and see a movie that you get to share with everybody else anymore. You know, it's, okay, what's number one on, on streaming on Netflix? And what's the super how, superpower situation in this one? It just kind of, I don't know. It, <laughs> It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like auteurs out there pushing the medium, trying to figure out, okay, what's the thing we can do next? And maybe it'll change. Maybe, you know, post all this stuff, <laughs> maybe we'll get back to the real filmmaking that we used to have. I am looking forward to some of the bigger blockbuster-type movies, although it was the AMC that just announced that uh, they weren't going to survive six months. They're going to close everything. And the only ones I know, Regal and AMC, those are the ones I know of. So they're going down. That's not great. But I am I watched the Batman trailer, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Robert Pattinson's a legitimate actor, so I'm looking forward to that. And Dune, Denis Villeneuve, if there's any director right now that I, I look forward to seeing their work, it's, it's Denis Villeneuve. I watched, I've been watching Drive over and over recently, and I, I was wondering what Nicholas Winding Refn has been up to. That is definitely an acquired taste. <laughs> There are, 
you know, a lot of things going on. Uh, but just to kind of get out of this weird place, I was watching uh, some stand-up, and there was this one, Owen Benjamin, he had something on, uh, I think it was Prime, but he's a pretty serious conservative. He believes some significantly weird things when it comes to religion. Like, he's a young earth creationist, which is just, I mean, pure, unbridled, hysterical insanity. But his stand-up was good. <laughs> like, it was legitimately funny. He had some uh, really amazing moments in his in his stand-up. And I was just thinking, because I think the special was from a few years ago, you know, it was, it was pre this era of our country. And I just wondered if anybody in the audience, if they had known his politics, if they would have laughed at anything, or if they would have just screamed and screeched and tossed pig's blood on the stage and <laughs> and tried to cancel him on Twitter. I don't know. I, I know the guy, I think he's been kicked off of most platforms by this point. Then you have this issue with uh, Joe Rogan, where a bunch of his episodes, he went over to Spotify, made like $100 million, uh, moving over to Spotify. Understand taking that deal, but a bunch of his episodes, most of them just featuring conservative speakers, you know, especially the one recently that he did about that book, Abigail Schreier, about that book that she wrote that we talked about, uh, that was about transgenderism, you know, being a fad amongst kids and, and exploring that idea. That one was censored, and I think Jordan Peterson was censored, and, and a bunch of Spotify employees were screeching about it and saying, oh, uh, hate speech or whatever. So just more, I mean, just more of this, more concern. We used to have a, a cultural commitment to letting people speak, and now we have this corporatist-backed, especially amongst the tech companies, drive to censorship, especially of conservatives. And there's just something really, really wrong about the space we're in right now. I was talking about stand-up comedy, Jesus. <laughs> I watched another one, Rory Scovell, in like 2016, and... It was okay. It didn't have a whole lot to it, except for this. They had this one sketch in between that had Jack White on it, and it was it was pretty funny. I mean, Jack White had some uh, pretty awesome timing on that. I was surprised. Then I think I tried a couple of other ones, but some of these new comics just, I mean, it just the joke is they give anybody a special on Netflix, and I'll just start. I even started Ali Wong, and I got through the first few jokes, and it just was not funny at all. It wasn't even trying to be funny. I'll shut that one right down. So I end up just re-watching Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> there are, uh, you know, just proliferation of terrible stand-up comedians out there. Anyway, I just God, I just want film back. I just want that to be a thing again. And the political return to normalcy. I feel like there's some kind of line we already crossed when it comes to the politics. We, we've already gotten past that. And we know where the media is and what they'll do and how much they will trash every ounce of integrity so that they can push an ideology. There's just, there's no fourth estate anymore that just cares truly about, okay, what's the information? Get the information to the people, period. And if it's against the government, then we have to do it because that's our responsibility as journalists. There's none of that anymore. I mean, they're just activists. And it was never so clear as when it comes to this. I was just reading an article that came up that was about everything going on with the Obama administration and the FBI and spying on the Trump campaign and all that stuff. And there was an article, and you know, this is the kind of article that liberals read, and this is the only thing they read about it, and then they go out and parrot it on every bit of social media, and they get amplified by the social media companies by just saying that this is a complete figment of Trump's imagination. You know, everything related to that, the FBI spying on the campaign and all that. It's just a figment of the imagination. I mean, that is legitimately the biggest biggest lie I've ever seen in media print. I mean, and it's deliberate. It's a deliberate lie. There are, there's very good evidence when it comes to handwritten notes from 
then-CIA director Brennan that specifically talks about how he briefed the Obama administration that they believed that Hillary Clinton was behind the whole Russiagate stuff and handwritten notes from Peter Strzok that talked about how they were going to stop the Flynn investigation. And Flynn was on the Trump campaign at the time. They were going to stop it because there was no evidence that he had done anything wrong related to contacting somebody in Russia. So they were going to stop it. And then the White House intervened and Joe Biden was the one who suggested to use this particular statute so they could keep it open so that they could keep surveilling the Trump campaign. This is the White House meeting with the FBI <laughs> talking about an incoming president. And then you have a bunch of FBI agents around the time. They have all these communications between them talking about how they all went out and got personal liability insurance because they were so worried that this was just completely illegal. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things, and it gets way deeper than that. It's just, but even that stuff just on the face, those few things, plenty of information for every news organization to take it extremely seriously and dig as deeply as they can into what the hell went on. And yet, because of the current situation we're in, the complete lack of integrity, it, in the news, in liberal media sources, they will call it a complete conspiracy theory. I mean, that's the most concerning development of 2020. Everything else that has happened, whether it's crazy wildfires or pandemics or impeachments or anything else, that is the most terrifying development to me. It's just a, it's just a different world now. It's just a truly different world now. And there was this quote, who was it from? I think it was Putin or somebody in that in that area. It, it was some Soviet at some point who was just like how they were going to, over decades, they're going to degrade the American system internally. And they're going to push the American system to communism without them even realizing it. But look at all, all the rhetoric now. Now it's all, the country is an absolute dystopia, a horrible racist, sexist dystopia. And it's perfectly fine to burn it down, you know, pulling down all the statues and changing the way we teach our children about the country and the 1619 Project, all that stuff. I mean, every ounce of that is just the kind of thing. I mean, BLM itself calls itself a bunch of trained Marxists. It was on their website. Their founders were talking about how they were trained Marxists. So there are all these things that, all these strategies that they use when it comes first to destroying the history, destroying the, the shared history of the country, and then advancing all these crazy ideas about how capitalism is, is the great evil, and we need to tear the entire thing down. And obviously, this is, I mean, this is pure rhetoric that's coming out right now. Oh, I'm just, uh, I'm pretty exhausted with the whole thing. And the weird thing is, like, I've been meeting a lot of new people, and just the complete obliviousness to the whole deal, because they'll read one news source and leave it at that, is shocking. But what's even more shocking is just how certain they are. They just pick a side, and they're absolutely committed to that side, no matter what the hell else is going on. And they just have this emotional thing that they attach to, and they just leave it at that so they don't have to learn anymore. <laughs> so they can just go on and, and watch their dumb TV and leave it at that. And you've got these social media companies now. You just get this these hits constantly. You just get these hits. You say the like the correct extreme thing. And you get these dopamine hits, and you just oh, I got a little more, a few more likes that time. It just fries your brain. I mean, it's it's a terrible thing. Anyway, uh, this is, I always start these thinking, okay, let's do something nice and, and think nice thoughts and talk about nice stuff, and then it devolves into horrible, terrible unhappiness. I had Chick Fil A and Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <laughs> that was my nutritious because I had a great gym moment you know great awesome workout so I'm like yeah it's perfectly fine but I just felt horrible afterwards oh you should not combine those things do not combine Chick-fil-A and Krispy Kreme you know it's one or the other or neither and donuts honestly go to the Amish market I think it's called the Dutch market maybe Amish isn't like offensive now uh, it's just the Dutch market and uh, they make great donuts and they don't make you feel terrible afterwards
I'd throw shade at Krispy Kreme. But don't get Dunkin' Donuts. Those things are disgusting. But Duck Donuts? It's another quote. I haven't had those in a long time. Duck Donuts are amazing. Anyway, that was a little happier topic, right? There's fat and sugar and flour and all that stuff. It's quality. So I'm going to try. I'm trying to get back on. I've been so busy. I just have not been able to read these books as quickly as I usually do. So I'm trying to get back on. And I know a lot of books coming out. A lot of books already out. <laughs> it turns out when you look at, at the history of book publishing, there are, there are quite a few that have already been be- released here. So trying to catch up on all those, but also trying to keep up with the new stuff. And I can't remember the last time I read a word of fiction now. I'm trying to get through Flannery O'Connor's short story still. And it's been like months of me trying to read through this thing. <laughs> I'm just so... Like nothing's grabbing me about her short stories. It, just nothing's doing it for me. So anyway, uh, we've been talking for like 20 minutes. We'll, we'll just call it there. You know what? I hope that you have a, an excellent Friday. And that you get through the weekend. It's an excellent weekend. Just remember our pedigree you know, as a country. Remember our legacy. Remember what it used to mean to be American, that it was about the frontier and hard work and family and country and, you know, that that gritty realist who didn't necessarily have to be the most educated, <laughs> didn't necessarily have to be the best looking or anything like that. It's just about grit and determination, that American dream, that if you put the work in, that you're going to get something out of it. Remember, that's our legacy. It's not this pathetic victimology that is being peddled all over the place. And hopefully we can regroup culturally. We can regroup and stop letting it fester and degrade. So at the heights of prosperity, we end up with the lows of depression and suicide. Just got to pull it out of this nosedive. Anyway, this is the last coffee house. Thanks. (laughs) 